You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. I know a lot of you are still in the market for that national championship gear. Trust me when I tell you this, guys. I was just there yesterday. I was just in store picking up some more stuff for myself. And I promise you, there is no better place to get your back-to-back national title gear than Alumni Hall. They have stuff that you will not find anywhere else. So do yourself a favor and check out Alumni Hall in stores inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center here in Athens or online at alumnihall.com. And as you guys know, I am your host Tyler and today on the show, we are talking some good news and some bad news on the roster front and some TBD news as well thrown in there as well. Because, guys, this is the time of year. This is the time of year decisions are made, rosters are reshaped, and with the advent of the transfer portal and NIL, that December-January roster reshaping has truly never been more pronounced than it is right now in this current era of college football. And and no program is immune from it. I mean, even the two-time defending national champions, we are not immune from it. And over the past week, This is what we've gotten more questions on than anything else by far. So, as a show of the people, which is what we always aspire to be, I figured I needed to get on here and address all these developments as it regards the 2023 Georgia football roster. Originally, I wanted to talk some Georgia basketball, guys. Like That was the plan. That's what we had scheduled out. But with some news hitting this week, some really big news that we're about to get into, I felt like I, I had to get on here and, and talk about this stuff because, again, that's that's all the questions we're getting are on this. And basketball, like, I know we're, we're like hitting the midway point. We're getting there, but that can wait a couple more days, another week or so. We will get to that. I promise you. I want to talk some Georgia basketball, and that is going to happen. But we have some more topical news we've got to get to today. And the biggest of all that topical news relating to our roster, at least at this point. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, it's college football in this day and age, and like crazy things happen. You never know, man. You don't know what tomorrow brings. But at least at this point, as it relates to our roster, the biggest news has been, of course, wide receiver A.D. Mitchell's decision to enter the transfer portal. There's still no word on exactly where he will transfer, but if you guys have been paying attention, the odds-on favorite here remains Texas. I've heard USC thrown out there recently over the past couple of days. I think that might be just more of a bargaining chip, like leverage, but I think it's going to be Texas. I could be wrong there, but there are several layers to this. I mean, guys, this is a this is a complex issue. I mean, you really got to peel back the layers on this one. It's something I've done a lot of thinking about over the past couple of days. Honestly, it's had me kind of doing some soul searching, trying to figure out like where I stand on a lot of these things that are facing college football. But the first question I've been asked, and this is probably what I've been asked more than anything, is why? Why would AD do this, right? He misses pretty much the entire year. I know he plays week one, goes out the first drive of week two, and basically misses the rest of the season, comes back for the playoffs. But he finishes the season strong, and you look at it, 
going into next year, you're like, okay, man, like AD is set to like become a superstar next year. This is a guy that can really take off and have a big time year. Maybe he's going to be the next that, that next receiver to to hit that elusive thousand yard mark for only the second time in Georgia history. You remember, it was Terrence Edwards back in 2002. Still today, the only receiver in Georgia football history to have a thousand yard season, which is almost unbelievable. It truly is. It's almost unbelievable, but. That is the that's the truth, man. That's the reality. So why AD? You're set up really well here. Todd Munkin, at least as of right now, which we might talk about a little bit later, is set to come back. Two-time defending national champion. You could be a legend here if you stay. You could be an absolute legend. You made a legendary catch in the national championship game in 2021. You had a touchdown catch in the Peach Bowl that put us over the top and had us take the lead late in that game. So why would you risk that? Like why would you move on? Like, like what is in this for you? And it's it's a pretty simple answer, guys. I don't know AD, but this is not a this is not a new development, all right. And I mean, it's the first time we've already in, actually entered the transfer portal. But go back to like even after the SEC championship game. There's a couple of days after the SEC championship game, and I was already hearing from some people in some of the circles here in Athens that AD might be looking to transfer, and that maybe Texas might be the landing spot. I didn't think too much of it at the time because days went by and no news. I saw nothing hard out there being reported. His name was in the transfer portal. But then we did get two receivers in the transfer portal. Not just two receivers, but two big-time guys. Like two guys that were the best receivers on their respective teams in the SEC with Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi State and Dominic Lovett from Missouri. In fact, you know, we got Ra Ra first. And when we got him, I knew that like Dominic Lovett was in the portal. And that was a guy I was very interested in because I love what he can bring you from the slot. He can also play a little bit on the outside, but I think he's just an absolute threat in the slot. And I think that is a position that's really kind of taking over football. You need to have one of those guys. And so I was very intrigued. But once we got Rara, I was thinking like, there's no way we're going to get another like starter from the SEC team. Because like, how do all these guys fit in with A.D. Mitchell and Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey, Arian Smith probably coming back. Hopefully still come back. We'll see. Like the guys that we have on our roster, like where where does he fit in? Like, does he really think he's going to get a lot of playing time? And then when we landed Dominic Love. I was very excited because I think this guy is awesome. He is a big-time playmaker, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, huh? Like, do the coaches know something we don't know? Is like somebody leaving that we're not aware of? Because I, looking at it on the surface, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of playing time here. You think he have better options to go in and be like the number one guy right away. So why would he pick Georgia? I definitely had that thought, but then I quickly kind of threw that away because I'm just, hey, I'm excited. We got this guy. Great. Awesome. Who cares about the details? We got him. And also I was looking ahead to, I don't know, the college playoff. Had that to worry about. And as we got closer and closer to the college playoff, you know, the people I was talking to here around town in Athens, you know, they're kind of backing off on it and saying, no, nah, I think we're good. I think he's going to stay. And so I didn't think any more of it. I was like, okay, good, we're good. And he comes back, has a, has a solid playoff, uh, has a touchdown in the Peach Bowl, a touchdown in the National Championship game, because who didn't have a touchdown in the National Championship game? But then this week, all the talk picked up again. And I'm like, uh-oh, okay, um, it's back. And immediately I was worried. Because that's when, because now I don't have to worry about the National Championship game, I don't have to worry about the playoffs. I'm just thinking, about, okay, what I'm, I'm kind of starting to move on to next year. So I'm, I'm going back to what I was thinking earlier when we landed both Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett in December. And I'm like, huh, I thought it was weird, man. I thought it was weird that we landed these two starters from other SEC programs with the guys that we were slated to have coming back. Like clearly the coaches knew something we didn't know. And so the thought that came to my mind immediately was, do the coaches know or do they have an inkling that AD was going to leave? Had they been talking about it? Because Kirby like Kirby is open about this with the players. You've got to be in this day and age. Could you, how do you manage your roster if you don't? So looking back on it, it's uh, it's very clear now that yes, the coaches, I don't know if they knew for sure he was going to be leaving, but they knew that it was at least something he was exploring and considering and they were having discussions about. So you had to go out and you had to have a backup plan. And I'm sure that's probably what we told Thomas and Lovett is that, hey, look like, it's a good chance A.D. Mitchell's going to be gone, all right? Again, I'm not sure if they knew for sure. I don't know when the coaches knew. They might have known for all I know this week when we all found out. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure they had some awareness of it, and I think they probably sold. That's why they, first off, that's why they aggressively pursued those two receivers. And second, I think that's why they were able to land them and say, hey, look, like there's going to be opportunities. It might not look like it right now, but trust me, behind the scenes, there's going to be some opportunities. So this wasn't like brand new news to me. I, I thought it had died down. I thought it had passed. I thought we were good. Clearly, I was wrong. But going back to the, the question I keep getting, why? Why would AD do this? It's it's two things as far as I've been told, as far as I can tell. I, again, I don't know AD. I don't talk to him. I don't know. I can just tell you what I've heard and what makes sense to me. And the first two things are, are home 
and he's got a kid in Texas. He's from Texas. He's got a kid back there still, allegedly. I don't know that for sure. That's that's the that's what I've been told. So I'm going to go with that until I hear otherwise. I think those are two big factors. And if he ends up transferring to Texas, then that makes a lot of sense. And it's hard to fault the guy when you're talking about family stuff, right? Like it, it, that, That's really hard to fault him. It really is. Now, if he goes to USC, it's like, oh, well, I mean... That, that was just something you were trying to sell us. That wasn't the real thing. Obviously, you're going for the Jordan Addison money. It's all about the NIL deal. And look, let's be real. Even if he is going to Texas for his kid to be back home, which I get, we also can't put our heads in the sand and act like NIL isn't a part of this because it is. You know, it clearly is. You know, there's a lot of schools in Texas and he has options. You leave Georgia and any of those schools will take him. Trust me, they're going to take A.D. Mitchell. So there's a little bit of leverage there where he can, he can get himself an NIL deal. And, I, and maybe we could match. Maybe we just don't want to match. I don't know how we're handling that. I don't know if it's one of those things that we could say, hey, look, so if we match it or if we if we give you more than what they're offering, will you stay if we come up with that money? I don't know if that would be enough because he honestly might just say, no, it's not about the money for me. Um, even if you guys give me that money, I want to go home. I want to be with my kid. That's important to me. So I, I don't know how that would play out, but those are the reasons. I think he wants to go home. If he doesn't need to go to Texas, wants to be near his kid. And hey, you know, in the process, I can make some NIL money off this, right? So I think that's the answer to why. I don't know if that satisfies people out there. I cannot tell you how to feel about it, but I think that's the answer to why, at least as far as I've heard and as far as I can tell. Now, the next question I've gotten after that logically is, well, how does this impact us next year in 2023? How does this impact the quest for the three-peat? And to be entirely honest with you guys, I don't think it matters all that much. And that's not me taking a shot at AD. I'm not trying to do this thing where it's like, okay, you left us, you spurned us. Well, we didn't want you anyway. You weren't that good anyway. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not telling you AD Mitchell is not a good player. AD Mitchell is a very good receiver. He's really, really good. And I would love for him to be on our roster. Of course I would. But saying that, he's not irreplaceable. Let's look at the numbers, guys. And I know numbers don't tell you everything because offenses are different. Not every offense is created equally, right? We know this. But AD in two years has 38 receptions for 560 yards and seven touchdowns. Now, he did miss most of this season, and that certainly factored into that. What would his numbers have been if he was healthy all year? I don't know. I don't know. We spread the ball around a lot. Lad's still going to get touches. Brock's still going to get touches. But certainly his numbers would have been enhanced. Now, Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett, are both in the same class as A.D. Mitchell was. They are both true sophomores this year. Ra-Ra, in his two seasons at Mississippi State, had 62 receptions for 878 yards and 12 touchdowns. Dominic Lovett, two years at Missouri, 82 receptions, 1,019 yards, three touchdowns. Again, I'm not suggesting that A.D. Mitchell is not a good player and that we won't miss him because like he wasn't that good anyway. That's not what I'm suggesting. He's a very twitchy wide receiver with really good ball skills. He's a talented dude. In fact, I, I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that A.D.'s ceiling is higher than Ra Ra Thomas's or Dominic Lovett's. Actually, I, w- I would agree with that. I think his ceiling is higher than both of those guys if he gets there. But saying that, the reality is Right now, he has not been and is not as good as those two guys are right now. He's not. He's not there right now. It doesn't mean he won't be there next year if he can stay healthy, but this year, last year, he was not as good as those guys, and he wasn't as productive as those guys. Now, he made some really good plays for us, and he showed those flashes. A.D. Mitchell has never done that consistently. Those guys have. Ra Ra Thomas was the leading receiver for Mississippi State this year. Dominic Lovett, by a mile, was the leading receiver for Missouri this year. And oh, yeah, let's not forget Lad McConkey, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit. He's still on the roster. Brock Bowers still on the roster. Arian Smith's still on the roster. If he can stay healthy, I think Arian, you know, I said it's not a stretch to argue that AD has a higher ceiling than Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett. And I, I would agree with that. But I also don't think it's a stretch to suggest that Arian Smith has a higher ceiling than A.D. Mitchell does. I don't believe that's a stretch. They're different receivers. They have different skill sets. They bring different things to the table. But Arian Smith has one thing that A.D. Mitchell just cannot touch, and that is elite speed. I'm talking world-class speed, 10, 100-meter stuff. A.D. Mitchell's not slow, but he's also not especially fast. He's not a burner, right? 
Arian's development has been stunted to a, to a pretty big degree his first couple of years here in Athens because he has had a lot of trouble staying healthy, whether it was an ankle, whether it was a, was a finger, or I think a wrist at one point. Uh, he's had so many different issues. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. And you can't stay healthy. You can't stay on the field. You can't be at practice. I know we, we miss him at games, but where I've been more concerned with Arian is at practice because that's where you get better. That's where you develop. That's Because Arian was always this incredible raw piece of clay incredible physical tools but he was a very unpolished receiver coming out of high school he's more of a track guy and I always felt like okay with the tools he has if he can just you know stay healthy and and work and improve give him a couple years this guy is going to be a nightmare for defenses to deal with but he's been hurt so often that his development has been stunted I mean guys I know he was a third year player this year but as far as I was concerned, he was basically like a freshman. Like he'd been on the team for three years, but he hadn't been able to practice. Like if you put together all the all the practices this guy's been able to attend and actually like participate in over the last three years, it probably comes out to like one full season of practices. So he was basically like a freshman, in my opinion, in terms of like development. But if he can stay healthy, and I know that's a big if with him, but if he can stay healthy and stay on the practice field and continue to develop. I really believe that he could be more of a threat than A.D. Mitchell is because that speed absolutely kills. I mean, look at guys like Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. I know they're not they're not big either. I know you, you look at Arian and say, well, he's not as big as A.D. I mean, some people like those big physical receivers, and I like those guys too. But look at how football has changed, guys. You don't have to be big anymore. You don't have to be six foot four and tall and lanky. You need to be fast. And if you have 10, 100 meter speed and you just kind of learn how to play that position, which you still got to do, Watch out. Watch out. Like that that's first round talent type stuff. I'm not sitting here saying he's gonna be a first round pick, but he has that potential if he can just continue to stay healthy and develop. So that's why I don't think we're gonna miss AD Mitchell as much as a lot of people think right now. And I and I get it, guys, when you lose a guy who we've all kind of viewed as the most talented receiver on the team, like our number one receiver when he's healthy you naturally get worried, like, whoa, 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 like what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? But the fact is, we have already replaced A.D. Mitchell with two guys that were in the same recruiting class as A.D. and have, in that time, these last two seasons, been significantly more productive than A.D. Now, I know, again, you can say injuries played a part in that, but the reality is, from a production standpoint, they've been far more productive, especially love it, far more productive than A.D. ever has, far more consistent than A.D. ever has. So, yes, I vehemently disagree with anyone who suggests that this is some sort of death blow for Georgia. I know there's not a lot of people saying that, but there are people who are like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? Like, We can't be losing these kind of guys. It's it's not. It's not a death blow. We are the two-time defending national champion. Let's act like it. We are bigger than any one player. And if there was one player that, hey, if there was a guy that we just couldn't afford to lose, like we couldn't recover from losing him, it sure as hell isn't A.D. Mitchell. I mean, hell, the guy basically missed three months, more or less, this season with a sprained ankle, and we were still a top five offense all year. Our number one receiver last year, going into 2021, George Pickens, tore his ACL in the spring, and we still won the national championship without him until really the the, the playoffs, in the season, right? I guess the postseason. I guess he played against Tech a little bit, but not much. Trust me, we are fine. We are Georgia. We're okay. One player does not make or break our team. Would we be better with him on the roster? Maybe. I think you could argue that. But the thing is, like, if he's on the roster, then we probably don't get one of Ra Ra Thomas or Dominic Lovett. So is a duo of AD and Ra Ra Thomas or AD and Lovett, are those duos demonstrably better than a duo of Ra Ra and Lovett? I certainly don't think so. I mean, that you, it, we might be better with AD in one of those guys instead of no AD in both those guys, but I don't think it's a significant margin. I really do not. And don't sleep on our freshmen, guys. Do not sleep on our freshmen. You know, AD was a freshman last year, right? And by midseason, he was a starting receiver for us. Tyler Williams, I am extraordinarily high on this guy. Anthony Evans, very high on him. He has the he, not quite as fast as Arian Smith coming out of high school, but he's got that elite type speed as well. I'm high on these guys. So, you know, this is a different era of college football. Freshmen can come and make an impact right away, just like AD did for us in 2021. There's no reason that one of those guys cannot. They're highly rated, highly talented guys themselves. 
But that's just me. I'm personally not freaking out about it. I can't tell you what to do. If you're freaking out about it, you do you, man. It's it's all good. I just, I personally think our program is in a different place. And I think that with Kirby Smart at the helm, we're going to be fine because we always recruit well. We have players in the wings. We have big time dudes. And Georgia's a hell of a place to come as a transfer. And that's why we went out and we got to them. So no, I'm, I'm really not all that concerned about it. But there are more layers to this, guys. And when we come back, I will dive into some of these other layers. But first, I do want to quickly tell you guys again about our friends at Alumni Hall. So I was talking to one of my friends today. And he asked me, hey, man, have you gotten your natty gear yet? And I was like, yeah, man, I've, I've gotten a bunch of stuff already. He's like, dude, how did, how did you already get it? And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I ordered it some from Alumni Hall. And then I went in the store and got some. And I got a ton of stuff already. He's like, wait, wait. They already shipped it to you? And I was like, yeah, man, I got I got it within two days. And he's like, I'm still waiting on my stuff. And I asked him where he ordered it from. I'm not going to call him out by name here, but just let's just say it's a, it's a big marketplace for college athletics that is not Alumni Hall. And apparently they have some back orders and it's been, what, over a, a week and a half now and he has not gotten one single item. I mean, hell, Friday, last actually last Thursday, I was wearing stuff to work already because Alumni Hall doesn't play games, guys. They treat you right. There is no better place to find Georgia gear, the National Championship gear. There's also no place that's going to treat you as well as Alumni Hall does. They'll get that stuff to you quickly. You will not have those wait times. They'll get it right out to you. And when that delivery comes, guys, I am consistently blown away at the customer service and the care they take in delivering those things. They pack it up really nicely. It's not thrown in there when you get it and it's all wrinkled and the neck's pulled out. No, man, they take the care to wrap it up very nicely. They put handwritten notes in there for every single customer no one does it like Alumni Hall. Take my word for it, guys. So if you're still looking for national championship gear, Alumni Hall is the place to go. It's 100% a no-brainer because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, we're back. So we've talked about the why, and we've talked about how ADs, transfer releases, and pending transfer will potentially impact us in 2021. The next layer of this that I think I, I, think I need to get into, because I've had some questions about this as well, is like, how should we feel? How should we feel about AD Mitchell at this point, now that he has entered the transfer portal? As I said a couple times in today's episode, I don't think it's my place to tell anyone how to feel. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm not telling you how to feel. You do you. You feel how you want to feel. But I will tell you how I feel because I've been asked by many listeners out there, hey man, like, how do you feel about this? Like, What's going on in your head? And I'm happy to kind of explain that. But it's, it's complicated. Like a lot of you, I have very complicated feelings and emotions over this. And I've really been kind of putting in the work, trying to work through exactly how I feel about it. I don't know if I'm completely out on the other side yet, but... I think I think I kind of know where my head's at right now. But I mean, going back to, to AD and his production on the field, all in all, in two years, AD was not insanely productive for us. He really wasn't. But he did make two big plays, two huge plays, right? One was an all-timer, a big-time catch, kind of right in front of me there in that end zone in Indianapolis in that 2021 National Championship game. Absolutely massive play to take the lead, right? Then another play, another play to take the lead, this time not in the national championship game, but in the closest game we had all year in the Peach Bowl, 
against Ohio State where he catches the, the touchdown that put us up by one point with under a man to go in the fourth quarter. Now that play, I, I don't think was as spectacular. I mean, it, it was a nice route that he ran, but there really wasn't anything particularly special about what he did. It just kind of, the ball kind of came to him, ran a nice route, but it wasn't like he went up and and caught the ball with, with a contested catch. Like It wasn't like, he, like the one we saw against Alabama in 2021. But still, nonetheless, two massive receptions in Georgia football history. You cannot take that away from him. He made those plays, and I will always appreciate those plays for sure. But I also feel like in some way, his decision to transfer kind of tarnishes how I feel about him, right? I mean, I'm always going to love those plays. Those are iconic plays in Georgia football history. But if AD would have stayed with us for his entire career and never transferred, I would have viewed him as as a, a, maybe a legend's too strong of a word. I mean, I don't think we should throw that word around lightly. I mean, Stetson Bennett is a legend. To me, Nick Chubb is a legend. I don't throw the that word around lightly. David Pollock, legend. There's, I mean, you can't say that about every guy. I don't think AD would have been a legend, but he would have been a guy that was remembered very fondly for the rest of his life it, among Georgia fans. Clearly, that doesn't matter to him, or at least it doesn't matter as much as making money does, which, I, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute. I, I can't really fault him for that. But personally, I won't feel the same way about AD Mitchell as I would have if he would have stayed at Georgia. I think that's just natural. I don't think, that's a controversial or crazy thing to say. I'm sure someone will, will take exception with that, but I'm just trying to be honest with you. That's how I feel. But the reality is clearly A.D. Mitchell does not care about that. He does not care about how I feel, does not care about how you feel, because he is making decision based on what's good for him. And honestly, he should. I do not fault him. And I want to talk about NIL here. I have, Especially if it's his family going home, that desire to go home, I guess it's really, really hard to find fault with that, right? I mean, that's like people do what's best for them. And that's what he's doing here. And if you don't have exception, if you don't take exception to that for anyone else in the other walk of life, why would you take exception to that for a college football player, right? But I do want to talk about the NIL aspect of this. And I don't know if this is the driving factor behind the decision. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be some reports out there about the kind of NIL deal he's going to end up getting, which I'm sure will be pretty significant because he is, again, a very good football player. So I do want to address this. And I, because I've gotten this, is another thing I've got a lot of questions about. Like, hey, man, with AD leaving, how do you feel about NIL? Like, NIL is killing college football, so on and so forth. So I do feel like I need to address this because I've gotten a lot of, a lot of um, feedback about NIL. So here's kind of how I feel. This is something I've been doing a lot of a lot of thinking about over the past couple of days. It's not a new thing. I've been working through it, you know, how I feel about it for a while now, but it kind of uh, kind of went into hyperspeed this week. So I've never faulted players for leaving for big NIL deals. Like personally, I don't fault them. I don't fault them for going for the money, for chasing the cash. I don't fault them for leveraging their value. The way I looked at it is it's not the player's fault that college football has become a billion-dollar industry. It's not their fault that they are treating it like that because it was the power brokers behind the scenes, the conference commissioners, the NCAA, well, not NCAA is basically toothless, but the conference commissioners, basic conferences in general, all of those with TV executives, they all saw the chance to make a windfall of cash, right? And so it's those power brokers behind the scenes. It's To me, if it's anyone's fault, it's their fault when they decided to take college football to the moon and they saw the, the earning potential of college football. And guys, this this is a tale as old as time. It, it really is, okay? I mean, I'm a history guy, so sometimes I look at things through that through that lens. And like this is nothing new, man. If you go back and you trace history, like this is what's happened throughout human history. It's now just kind of happening in in college athletics. I mean, forever, forever in history, those with power use that power to exploit their workers to make money hand over fist. That's not a that's not a new concept. Again, that's a tale as old as time. And then as has also been the case through history, the workers, in this case in college football, college athletics, the players grew tired eventually of being exploited. They grew tired of watching other people grow absurdly wealthy off of their backs off their hard work while they had to be content with a good old pat on the back and, and the peanuts they threw their way. And they get tired of that. So what do they do? They start advocating for themselves. And public pressure starts to mount. And that eventually results in enhanced power for the workers. Those power brokers have to give up some some of that power. And some of that power then falls into the hands of the workers. In this case, again, the players. So I don't begrudge any of these players for maximizing their earning potential. 
Why, why would I, why, why should we begrudge them for that? I mean, it's what most of us out there do in our business lives every day. And it's what most people are praised and congratulated for. Like, hey, when, when you get a raise, you come home and say, hey, honey, guess what? I got a raise. She throws her hands up, gives you a big old hug, maybe a smooch on the cheek there. If you're lucky, maybe a smooch on the lips. Who knows? And everyone's happy. You call all your friends. You call your family. Hey, I got a raise. Hey, I got a new job. People say, hey, congrats, man. I'm really happy for you. When you leave one job to go to a higher paying job who gives you a promotion, people are really excited for you. So why do we feel any differently about college players? But we do. We do, guys, right? For some reason, when it's college players, a lot of people have a problem with it, even though they don't have a problem with it with any other person in any other walk of life. And this is what I've been thinking about. So why? Like, Why do we have a problem when it's college players? And I think that reason is because... That's the way it's always been. And it's changing something that we all love so dearly, right? Like guys, I I love college football, man. I am passionate about it. I love all college athletics. I have no love for the pros. I'll watch it because it's football. I'll watch the NBA during the playoffs because why not? I'll watch the Braves here and there because, you know, it's something to watch in the summer. I don't love it. I'm not passionate about it. It's, you know, I like sports, right? But I don't have anywhere near the same level of passion for it. I love college athletics. There is nothing on earth that makes me feel the way that college football does. A college football Saturday is quite literally, to me, for me, like nothing else on planet earth. And I know most of you listening out there are the exact same way. So we love it and we are afraid of this thing that we love, losing the essence that makes it special, that makes it unique, that makes it different from pro sports. But the thing is, just because something has always been that way, doesn't mean it's right, you know? I mean, if we accepted that mentality, then child and slave labor would still be a thing, but fortunately, obviously, they're not. Fortunately, along the way, people stepped in and said, hey, that's not right. And changes were made. And that's kind of what's happening in college football. For a long time, the players, the workers in this case, were being they were being exploited, right? They were. Like, I know they were getting scholarships. I know they weren't getting nothing, okay? I, I completely understand that. That's one of the things I've also been kind of torn about over the, over the years. It's like, well, like, a college education is really valuable. I would have killed to be able to have, like, you know, all the things they get, you know, free college education, state-of-the-art facilities that you get to operate in, uh, world-class coaching development. They give you the opportunity to, to make money in NFL. They give you opportunity to go out and make a lot of money in life uh, with your college degree. So I've always felt like it, it was kind of overstated that, that they did not get nothing. So the word exploitation, it's not as bad as, like, you know, slave labor. They weren't being exploited to that degree. Like when people say, oh man, this is modern day slavery. No, it's not. Like it's it's not that, okay? They're, they're getting far more than slaves ever got. But just because they were getting something doesn't mean that they weren't still being exploited. And they were. And people stepped in and said, hey, that's not right. Changes have been made. But those changes, they're scary, right? They're, they're scary for people like you and me because again, we love college football. And we're that change, like anytime something changes, like change could be good. It, it very well could have been awesome. But it's also scary because we know that we loved it the way that it was. And if it changes, we might still love it just as much, but it might be different and it might not be as good. And that's a scary thought, right? When it's something that you love as much as we all love college athletics. So I'm in this weird spot. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm this guy who is obsessed with college football, college sports in general. And because of all these changes, I'm very fearful for the future of college athletics. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm man enough to admit it. I'm scared of what it's going to look like. I'm always going to love it. I am, but I want college football to be healthy and I want it to be, I want it to be good, you know, and I, I don't want to lose that feeling. I don't think I'll never lose that feeling. I'm always in love with the University of Georgia. Just because guys get paid doesn't make me like college athletics any less. It doesn't because it's not necessarily about that for me. But like, I am scared for like, what is the long-term future of college athletics with all these changes that we've made? Because like, guys, the transfer portal, especially it's NIL, NIL really, NIL in conjunction with the transfer portal, you guys, I'm not the first one to say it. I'm like the 500 millionth person to say it. This is free agency. It makes it really hard to manage a roster. And one of the things that concerns me more than anything is like some of these coaches like Kirby Smart, how long are they for these jobs? Because it's always been a grind being a college football coach, very time intensive. And there's always, it's always been a very demanding job.
but now it, it's taken on obscene levels. Like it, it's insane what they have to do to manage their rosters and not, not just to recruit the high school level, but now recruit transfers. You also have to try to maintain the people on your roster, make sure they're not going. If they are going, who's going? You have to do all this. It just, it adds an extra layer to the job, which is already an insanely demanding job. And I know they get paid handsomely for it, but some guys like Matt Luke, for instance, are just like, deuces, I'm out. This is too much. You know, Jay Wright at, at Villanova in college basketball, deuces, I'm out. I've had enough of this. Roy Williams at North Carolina, college basketball. I've had enough of this. I I I don't I, I it's I already worked too hard. I can't do all this, man. I'm too old for this, you know? Pull the Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon. Too old for this. And that's something I'm very concerned about. So yeah, I, I am fearful for the future of college athletics. But intellectually, as I said earlier, I also don't have a problem with NIL. And that's crazy, right? It doesn't seem to make sense. So Tyler, how can you say that? You you're scared for the future of college athletics, but NIL is one of the things that has you scared for the future of college athletics, and you're saying you don't have a problem with it, I know how insane that sounds. But this is where I'm torn, right? Like Intellectually, I, I think one thing. I think they should be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. I don't have an issue with that. They should be able to maximize their, their future earnings, right? But at the same time, that also has me scared for like what's going to happen in college sports moving forward. So I don't know, man. I, I'm all torn up over that, uh, or at least my mind's like in a general state of confusion on exactly how I feel about all of this. And, you know, I know there is a very strong undercurrent of resentment directed towards A.D. Mitchell right now. I know there is. I know that because I live in Athens, right, which is UJ Central. Um, I run a Georgia podcast, which means I interact with a lot of Georgia fans. And I also know there's a strong undercurrent of resentment directed towards A.D. Mitchell because I feel it myself. I got to admit it, guys. I got to be honest. I don't want to feel it. I hate that I feel it, but I feel it. And this is kind of where I've been doing some soul searching, like trying to figure out like, where is that coming from, man? Like, why why are you resentful towards this young guy who's just trying to do what's right for himself? Like, intellectually, I think that he should have the right to maximize his earnings. So why do you why do you feel this way? And here's where I am with this right now. I understand why players, why A.D. Mitchell view college athletics as a business because again that's what it has become that's not their fault they didn't do that someone else did that and they're just benefiting from it right now they're profiting off of it, which they should have been all along they're exploited for too long now they have a chance to profit off of it that's not their fault I think this is the disconnect though and this is where those feelings those kind of negative feelings come from because we as fans do not view college sports that way players do tv executives do conferences pretty much do universities pretty much do they view it as a business but we don't you and i don't we don't look at it that way to us college athletics is not a business to us college athletics is about connection it's about pride about loyalty tradition heritage it's about passion it's about something deeper much deeper than the pursuit of the almighty dollar we as fans who consume college athletics, we do not engage in it because we are trying to make money off of it. That's not why we are doing it. We engage in it because we are passionate about it and we feel it deep within our souls. I mean, guys, people don't call it a religion for nothing. There's a reason people call it a religion down here in the South. So when a player who we all embraced, who we loved, who we cheered for, who we appreciated, who we deeply invested in emotionally, who we in many ways adopted as one of our own, makes the decision to leave Georgia and to borrow a phrase from LeBron James, take his talents elsewhere, we feel a certain kind of way, right? Like we feel like he's turned his back on us. We feel like he betrayed us. He rejected us. We take it as an insult. I mean, guys, I... We really kind of do. We feel like the jilted lover. And of course, that breeds resentment. That's where it comes from. And again, I'm guilty of it, guys. I'm not calling anybody else out. I'm. This is me trying to do some soul searching. Like, where does this come from? And I'm guilty of it. And I know it's irrational. Because on one hand, again, the evolved side of me gets it. I get why A.D. Mitchell is entering the transfer portal. I get that players should be able to maximize their earning potentials. They have as much right to make money off this, maybe more so of a right to make money off of off the enterprise of college ball than anyone else does. The evolved side of me gets that. But on the other side, the more unevolved side of me resents him for it, at least a little bit. And I'm just going to be honest, like 
I'll never view him the same way again. Doesn't mean I hate Ad Mitchell. It doesn't mean that I hope that he is an, uh, an absolute failure wherever he goes. I don't. I don't hope that. I don't. I mean, I I wish the guy well. I mean, I I'm at the point in my life, guys. Like, you know, I, I'm too old to be hating on on people like that, man. Like, th- there's no time for that. Like, it. You know, life's too short for that. Let's wish people the best and and, and hope things work out for them. But again, <laughs> there is that unevolved side of you. It's like, yeah, I I, I can hope that you know you, you make a, a nice successful living for yourself, but I'm still not going to view you the way that I once did. I'm not going to love you the way that I did. I think that's just natural. I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So I'm trying to let that evolved side win out here. But again, I'd be lying if I said I felt all positive vibes towards A.D. Mitchell right now. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys. So obviously, AD Mitchell's decision to enter the transfer portal—that was the big breaking news of the week—and I got a lot of a lot of interest in that from various listeners out there on social media, email, so on and so forth. So I really wanted to spend some time addressing that more than anything today. But while that was the biggest news of the week for the Georgia Bulldogs, it wasn't the only news. There was some good news. Lad McConkey, speaking of receivers has decided to come back for another year. This will be his fourth year in Athens. He'll be a redshirt junior. And I know some of you are probably like, well, yeah, of course he's coming back. That wasn't a done deal, guys. I mean, I, I, I've got on pretty good authority that Ladd was really strongly considering the NFL. He was exploring his options there, got some feedback, and, and looked into it, and has decided it's in his best interest to come back. And I am very excited about that, guys. I, you know you know me. I love Ladd McConkey. This guy played her all year long. While some players might or might not have played through some of their injuries and put on the line for their for their team and, and for the University of Georgia. Lad McConkey did. All right. That he did. That dude was that dude was banged up. And he was out there every single week. So I'm pumped to have him back from that standpoint. I'm also pumped to have a guy that's just a playmaker. I mean Lad's not the most dynamic athlete in the world, but he makes plays, man. And there's no substitute for a guy on your roster that can make plays, that knows our offense, and we should all be thrilled that Lad McConkey's coming back. And maybe you took it for granted. I look, I didn't think he was really gonna go pro either. Because like, I mean, Lad McConkey, as talented as he is, as much of a playmaker as he is, there is that size thing that works against him. And 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 you're seeing that change more and more in the NFL these days. Small receivers are becoming bigger parts of offenses all over the NFL. Some of the best receivers in the league are six foot and, and under, or like right around that, right? So it's not so much that Lad's short; it's that he's he's a pretty slight dude, you know. So I felt like he was he was always going to come back, but it was, it was never really a done deal. But now it is a done deal. He's back, and that is very exciting news for our prospects for the three peat going into 2023. We're still waiting on Cedric Van Pran. That's the big one we're waiting on. And that's not a transfer thing. That's an NFL thing. I don't know. Um, I think we would have already found out if it wasn't for the Devin Willick situation, um, that tragic, tragic, tragic situation. Him and Devin were very close. And if you followed the case, I mean, he was in the in a car behind them and basically watched it all happen. So understandably, he's in, um, he's in a tough place right now. And I, I feel for him, like I feel for everyone who, who loved these people, who knew them. It's just, just absolutely heartbreaking stuff. So... You know, we'll find out when we find out. Of course, we all want to know, but I mean, we also need to be patient with Cedric and just let him let him make his decision. Like, I'm sure he's already made his decision. Maybe not. I don't know. Honestly, who knows where his head is at? I mean, it's probably the last thing on his mind, or certainly not the forefront of his mind, with one of his best friends um, tragically passing away. I know it wouldn't be at the forefront of my mind, but it's a decision he's going to have to make here pretty quickly. And I've gotten a few questions about like, what is my prediction? Do I think he's going to come back? Do I think he's going pro? 
I don't really have any inside information on this, guys. I've kind of reached out and people I've asked are like, I don't know, man. We'll, we're, we're, we're waiting to find out too. If I had to predict though, I would lean towards Van Pran going pro. I don't think he'll be a first round pick. Maybe he can work his way into there, but I think he'll be um, you know, top two, three round pick somewhere around there. I've heard you know some people suggest he'll be the number one center. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, I just don't know about that. But I do think what happened with Devin Willick, like if he was on the fence, I think this might actually push him further towards the NFL. Again, I don't know. I don't know Cedric. I don't know. But the way I would look at it is, okay, like one of his best friends just passed away, one of his teammates, and being in Athens all the time, there's a lot of memories that go with that. And that might be a tougher thing to, to deal with. And so maybe going pro and just getting away from the situation might help the grieving process some. That's just me speculating. I have no clue. I, I'm just kind of trying to think about it from different angles here. So if I had to guess, I would lean towards him probably leaving, but that's nowhere near a done deal. I don't know. And I, I do think we'll find out here in the next week. But um, again, let's let's just be very patient with Cedric. I know he's going through a, a very, 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 very difficult time right now. And then Dominic Blaylock. Man, this one hurt. This one hurt. And I'm not mad at Dom. I'm not mad. I'm very, I'm happy for Dom, right? Like this one hurt because I just, I'm going to hate to see Dominic Blaylock in another uniform. I knew he was not coming back this year because he walked at senior day, right? Against Georgia Tech. He was out there. He walked. So I was like, okay, I thought he was just going to, he was just going to graduate and go on to the next stage of his life. I didn't think he was going to transfer. And so that kind of took me by surprise there when I, when I saw that news and you know, again, I'm not mad at all. I'm 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 rooting for Dom so hard. I mean, this guy has gone through so much when it comes to injuries and fought his way back time and time again. Has never complained. Has always been an incredible teammate. Been there for his for his team, for his friends, and just been an incredible locker room presence for our program. A big part of the culture that we have developed. He, hey, he's made some big plays. You know, he made a big third down catch against Missouri in a, in, a, in a portion of the game where like that game was certainly not decided. I mean, we were we were down. Like we were we were in a bad spot. So, he's made some big catches for us. You know, a big catch against Auburn, you know, his freshman year for a touchdown. He, you know, he was a big-time talent and um got derailed by injuries. So, wherever he goes, I am going to be a massive Dominic Blaylock fan. And it's funny though, you know, there's a difference. You got two receivers that are transferring, right? You got Dominic Blaylock in the transfer portal, you got AD Mitchell in the transfer portal. But there is a very big difference in how people view Dom and how they view AD right now. And the reason for that is because there's a difference in why they're transferring. Um, AD's transferring maybe for family, uh, but also maybe to, to, to pursue some NIL opportunities. And then Dom is transferring for playing time. You know, in transferring for playing time, that's that's something that's happened forever. And it's hard to begrudge a guy when it's like, okay, yeah, you know, he's just not much in the rotation here. He's not getting a ton of playing time. He's not going to, you know, factor into the future plans all that much. So let him go out and use whatever's left of his eligibility and, and just, you know, end on a high note, get some playing time and enjoy his last bit of time playing college football, right? With AD, it's a little bit different, right? It's like you didn't have to transfer, man. You were going to play. You're choosing to leave because you think the pastures are greener elsewhere. So I think that's why there's a difference in how people view them. But I'm I'm very happy for Dom. Um, I really hope he ends up in a really good spot. And I just I hope we don't have to play him because I don't want to ever have to root against him. You know what I mean? So Dom, good luck to you, buddy. We're gonna miss you, man. And um, a damn good dog for life. Absolutely, 100 percent there. And finally, let's wrap things up today with some speculation. Why not, right? We don't know what's gonna happen with Todd Munkin, but there was a report that was released today that he is certainly on the short list of candidates for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator job. The Bucs just fired Byron Leftwich, who was their OC. Tom Brady, as far as we know, is still going to be around, still going to play. That has to be a very tempting proposition for him if he is indeed going to be a, a big-time target for them, the chance to work with Tom Brady and go back to a franchise that he did work for before. He was previously the coordinator for the Bucs you know, a couple years back, and he worked with some of those young receivers. Mike Evans, for instance, worked with Mike Evans, so he's got... A background with the Bucks. He's lived in Tampa. He knows some of those players. There's a chance to work with Tom Brady, which like it's hard to pass up, right? So there's a chance he goes. If I don't know if he'll be the one that they actually target. Like, is he the number one target? Is he the one they're going to offer the job to? I don't know. I, I just there's a report that he's on the short list, which kind of makes sense for all the reasons I, I kind of just laid out. I am not Todd Munkin. I do not know what his professional goals are. I do think there's certainly a world where he stays at Georgia. Because there's a lot of reasons to stay at Georgia. You're at a place where you just won back-to-back national championships. 
And the reason you won those back-to-back national championships is, yeah, coaching, culture, that's a big part of it. But also, you got access to really good players. And you're going to have access to the best players in the country year in and year out. You're also extraordinarily secure in your job. There's not, I mean, there's always stress. But guys, Todd Munkin's not going to get fired. Todd Munkin has been a big part of why we've won back-to-back national championships. There's a hell of a lot more job security staying here in Athens than there is going to the NFL where they just churn out coaches, right? I mean, the, the coaching turnover in the NFL is insane. And we pay him handsomely. I mean, the guy already gets paid over $2 million a year. Who knows what he's going to get paid after this latest national championship. I don't think money is going to be a factor. In fact, I think, honestly, we could, we'll probably pay him more. Like We'll pay him more than get paid in Tampa. So it goes back to... What are your professional goals, right? Do you just have this itch to get back in the NFL? Do you still harbor some sort of hope of getting one last final head coaching job somewhere? I mean, he's 61 years old. Clock is ticking. You usually don't see a bunch of 61-plus-year-old guys get head coaching jobs at the college level, at least not at big-name schools, unless you're a big-name established head coach like Nick Saban, you know, something like that. But it's not as uncommon in the NFL to have older head coaches get hired I mean, there are a few exceptions at the college level. You know, Mac Brown at North Carolina, that was an exception. But Mac Brown's not going to be super long for that job. I mean, he's an older guy. I mean, he's only got so many years left coaching. And then there's the recruiting aspect of it. At the NFL level, the job's still very demanding. It's not as demanding as it is at the college level because you don't have recruiting year-round. Guys, recruiting never stops. Now, we do a good job of not requiring Munkin to do as much of the heavy lifting. We have all the assistants do that, and Munkin kind of flies in late in the process with all these guys. He'll make some visits here and there, but he's not as involved intimately with it day-to-day. Now, you still got to come when guys make visits to the school, when they're on official visits, unofficial visits. You still got to be there. You still got to, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, you know, offensive guys, where you got to show them what your plan is for them. You got to have film cut-ups and all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's still time recruiting. He's just not out there recruiting as, as hard as, a guy like Brian McClendon on a day-to-day basis, that kind of thing. But he still has to do it, and that's something you don't have to do at the NFL level. So, again, I don't know. It comes down to like his his goals and, and what he values, and that's hard for me to know. I think right now, um, if, let's say, he is their number one option, I would say it's probably 50-50 if I had to guess. This is something that we will be monitoring very closely, and I'll be honest with you guys. Last thing I'll say before I get out of here I told you I wasn't all that broken up about A.D. Mitchell leaving because I think we're going to be fine. I'm far more worried about Todd Munkin leaving than I am about losing A.D. Mitchell. We can replace A.D. Mitchell. we got a bunch of talented players. Replacing a coach like Todd Munkin, it's tough, man. Like That guy is a mastermind. I mean, he is the real deal. And I know I always say that talent matters more than, than coaching. There's three things you have to do in order to win at a high level at the college level. You've got to acquire the talent, recruit. You've got to develop the talent. You got to coach them up, and you got to deploy the talent. You have to be a good X's and O's guys. All those things matter. I always think the biggest element, the most important element, is the acquisition, the talent acquisition, the recruiting. But you can have really great players and still not have a high level of success. Like I don't know Texas A&M, and we just have so many good players that I think we can mask the loss of a guy like A.D. Mitchell, as talented as he is, more so than we can losing a guy like Todd Munkin, who's just been a revelation for us at offensive coordinator. So that's what I'm all worried about right now. I'm not worried as much about A.D. Mitchell. I'm worried about Todd Munkin, and we'll definitely be following that, and we'll have you guys covered if there is any more news on that. But thank you for being here, guys. Always appreciate each and every one of you. Curtis will be back with me on the first episode next week. We're going to be doing our postseason college football awards, at least our postseason Georgia football awards. And then Charlie will also be back with me as well. We're going to take a look back at our preseason predictions and look at what we got right, what we got wrong, and hold ourselves accountable. Maybe pat ourselves on the back for a few things we got right and also kind of make fun of ourselves for some of the things that we got wrong. And trust me, there are plenty of those as well. So we're going to have some fun with that. But have a fantastic weekend, guys. I'm Tyler, and as always... Go dogs!